All right, welcome back to the Don't Stop Me Now podcast. I am your HIV positive host, Miss Jennifer Lee Vaughn. How is everybody doing? It is currently Sunday morning, and I am going to Coldplay tonight. I'm so excited. I've never seen Coldplay. They're playing at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, which is where the 49ers play. It's a really new stadium, and um, I was trying to find parking. I actually am going by myself. I've never been to a concert alone, so it's sort of an adventure. I ha- of course, I have a. <laughs> I had to set up a Tinder date with somebody. Well, I mean, it was mutual, and I'm meeting him for a few hours prior to the event. So since I'm over there and he's over there, we just thought that that would work. So, which is interesting because he's. Uh, I hadn't heard his voice until this morning. We were connected only through phones recently. And his, I know he's tall because he said that in his bio that even in your highest heels, you won't be taller than him. So um, I think he's 6'4". Yeah, 6'4". Um, he looked Scandinavian. I mean, he looks tall and blonde. He's 36 and he works for Tesla. And he, um, you know, that like, I don't know, what can I say? Like, I'm not looking for a boyfriend that lives 30 minutes from me. Um, so like that would not work. But I mean, hey, it's nice to meet new people. You never know. I mean, it's just always good to keep expanding your, I don't know, the uh, what's the right word, your repertoire of people. I don't know. It's just good to have like, um, you never know, it could be a good friend. And then you end up maybe taking a trip together. Who knows? I, you never know where it's going to lead you. So he's definitely good looking. He's definitely nice. I don't know how I will feel in person. And I will talk soon about a Tinder date that I had yesterday where, oh my God, like it's like the bait and switch, like that you, you learn about this in advertising, how they dangle the carrot and then they, they give you something different when you show up. And that's, and it almost reminds me of like, those animals in the ocean, I don't know what kind of fish it is, but they like bury themselves underneath the sand and the unsuspecting other sea animals go by and then it jumps out from the sand and grabs them. And that's sort of how I felt yesterday when he came walking up. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. So anyways, I am meeting this person. And the interesting thing is that I, he had, in one of his pictures, he's holding a surfboard, you know, that's upright and he's at the beach. It's a, just a, you know, trunks picture. He's just in, do you hear that? That was my hand. Just, oh my God, I did it again. <laughs> wow. I've got a new skill. <laughs> Clasp my hands together and pull them apart. And I made a pop noise. I didn't mean to do that. Anyways, he had, um, his shorts were of the Australian flag and I thought, oh, I'm so clever. He's Australian. Hmm? There's going to be an accent. So I wrote to him. I said, are you an Aussie? Like I'm so worldly, right? (laughs) Anyways, he wrote back, nope, not from Australia. And so my friend thinks that he's Scandinavian and I did hear is he definitely has an accent and it's, uh, he's clearly not from here. So I said, don't tell me where you're from. I like a cliffhanger. So we'll find out today where he's from. And just, you know, guessing by his height and blonde hair and the accent, I would say the Netherlands for sure. So we'll see. I could be wrong, but I think he's definitely um, Scandinavian. So I am, yeah, I'm going to meet him first. Uh, I gave him like a three hour window. I thought that's plenty of time. Maybe it's too much time for a date. I don't know, but whatever. Um, you know, nothing can go wrong in three hours, really. I mean, I can have a conversation with a stranger for three hours, I guess. Yesterday I did that for four. So, um, yeah, I don't have trouble keeping conversations with people, but 
it's just tiring sometimes if you're not into it, but I'll go anyways. And, um, yeah, you only live once, so why not? So yeah, I'm going to the concert after I have to take light rail into or to the stadium because the parking around there is really bad. There's hardly any parking. And if you park at the stadium, it's like, I don't know, $65 for a reserve spot up to like over $100 for a reserve spot, depending on where how close you get to the stadium. And Levi Stadium is in the same basic block as Great America, which is, I think it's Paramount's Great America. It's an amusement park. And they share a parking lot, I believe. Maybe it's separated at some point down the middle. But anyways, it's basically the same area. But there's just not a lot of parking. It's not like Shoreline and Mountain View where they have you park you know, off in these, like, I don't know, everything's like on dirt. Like they literally make you make it kind of, it's sort of inconvenient, but it's convenient because it's free, but you have to park a little ways away, but it's all like dirt parking. Well, they don't, they don't have that kind of land around Levi stadium. So it's like, it's all businesses around there. And I don't think the businesses allow you to park in their parking lots. I think they're pretty strict about it. So light rail is the way to go. And I will just, I've never done light rail. I don't even know which stop to go to. So I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety about figuring that out because I thought, oh my God, what if I park my car and then I don't figure out how to pay for my car and then I can't figure out how to pay for the ticket? Do I have to have like a, I've already got the app, but it's like, do I have to do it through the app? Can I just do it through a machine when I'm there? And then, you know, what if I miss the one train that I needed and the next one's not coming for another hour and it's going to put me an hour behind. Like I'm so, I don't know the schedule and then getting out of there and getting on the light rail. Like I think I'll feel better once I get there and have done it that way. But going back, you know, it should be easier because I'll be following the crowd. Um, there's only one, I mean, maybe there's two stops right by Levi, Levi stadium. But anyways, um, cold play and my seats were okay. I'm like kind of side stage up at sort of like a top level and um like row 10 I don't really care because like there's always big screens and I'll be able to hear him perfectly and everything I've seen of Chris Martin it's weird like everything I've seen of him is almost like 90% of the time when I see him on the internet it's live stuff whether he's on some talk show or he's on stage somewhere I don't know why it just is that way he's an amazing performer and so I always wanted to see them live they've never been like my favorite favorite group but I think I will know at least half their songs and I love the song fix you I mean that song just does something to me so um, so yeah, that's tonight and I'll let you guys know how that goes at some point. I'm going to do a podcast about HIV anxiety soon. I'm not going to do it this time, but I will do it soon. Um, somebody had requested that on TikTok and I thought I have videos all about it. I talk about it here and there on my Instagram, but I haven't done an official podcast on it. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to just have a podcast about HIV anxiety and what actually causes all these fears about HIV, you know, with regards to testing or just not believing results or symptoms and thinking you have it and burying your head in the sand and not testing and all of that. So um, it's very psychological and I see all of it on my end all the time. So it's been easy for me to like kind of have like a top 10 list of reasons why people have HIV anxiety. And uh, we definitely have to throw in OCD into the mix and hypochondria and generalized health anxiety. They all play into it as well. Um, yeah, I will tell you that I never had a fear of HIV, never thought I'd have HIV. It was never 
in my periphery ever. Like I just wasn't thinking about it. So when it happened, it was of course a shock, but it wasn't one of those things where I had feared it my whole life. Even though I grew up in the eighties and I saw all those commercials, you know, I'm not the demographic for it. And, you know, people get so mad when I say that, but it's true. Um, the very, very slim little amount of Caucasian women have HIV in comparison to other conditions. We are very low on the, um, the, the scale, the range, the spectrum of who has HIV. I still feel all like all those words were wrong, but you know what I mean? Um, demographic. Yeah. We're the very, very slim on the, uh, or a very little pie piece, you know, like that pie piece. It's very small with, with regards to who has it. Caucasian women hardly make a blip. Um, so yeah, we feel pretty alone when we get it because we don't really have others that, you know, are like us. We just don't. It's it's rare. So when I find them through social media, we all kind of cling to each other because we don't, we, we just, there's not a lot of us out there. So, okay. So there is that. And speaking of songs that move you, I was just talking about Fix You. Um, on Tuesday night, I think it was Tuesday night, I went to The Catalyst in Santa Cruz. It's a venue that's been there for years. So many famous people have performed there, including Snoop Dogg, and I don't know, I can't come up with anybody else at the moment, but I know he's been there. And um, I've been there before to see the psychedelic furs. I think Joey and I went like four years ago. And Joey told me ironically, like two weeks ago, that that was, and this girl is into like, it's interesting. She's into like screamo music, I guess you'd call it that. I don't, it, to me, it's not music. It just sounds like guys like screaming they're just roaring and like and there's just guitars I guess and drums you hear a lot of drums and I don't know how she listens to that and doesn't have like full-blown anxiety but I just filmed her on my Instagram story she was in her shower and she had that I can't even call it music but she's got that playing in her bathroom really loud and she's humming to it I don't I don't get it it's not relaxing it's really I find it incredibly annoying and kind of upsetting but Anyways, my point is, is that Joey likes a lot of kinds of music and like she'll listen to um, You Spin Me Right Round Baby Like a Record. Like she's listened to that song a million times. She listens to Madonna. She knows like all her songs. She really knows a lot of 80s music. So she told me, I guess it was a couple weeks ago. She said, you know, that Psychedelic First show that we went to, Mom, that was like one of the best concerts I've ever been to. And, you know, granted, I grew up with the Psychedelic Furs, not her. You know, they've been around since the 80s and she knows their music, you know. And so I was like, well, it's so cool. And it was, you know, these are old guys, you know. It's not like they're young and they're hot and you're like kind of drooling at them as you're looking at them and watching them perform. They're old, you know. And, um, but she loved it. She got really into seeing them at the, at the uh, Catalyst the last time we went. So weirdly enough, like a week later, I get this, I don't know if it was an email, somehow it showed up on my phone, it could have just been an ad and Instagram or whatever. But it said psychedelic furs gonna be here on the and I can't remember what date it was 10th or 11th, whatever. And they're gonna be at the catalyst. I was like, no freaking way. Like, that's so weird. She just said that to me like days before. So I ordered the tickets, I got them came to like a hundred bucks for the two of us, which is kind of a lot, I think for the catalyst. I mean, it's a, it's a little, it's a small joint, you know, it's cool. You can definitely get cl up close to the performers if you want to. Um, but I don't know, 50 bucks a person. I just thought that was a lot for the catalyst. 30 feels more like it maybe, or 40. I don't know. I guess 50 is fine, whatever. So 
I surprised her. I couldn't keep it a secret. I kept it a secret for like three days and I was just, it was killing me. I said, I told her down in the kitchen. I said, Joey, I got to tell you something. I don't even remember how I told her. I think I showed her on my phone, the actual tickets. I said, we're going. That's what I did. I showed her the tickets. That was it. And she goes, are you serious? And she hugged me and she got all emotional. It was so cute. She was just really excited to go. So we went and they were just as good as they were four years before. I think it was four years before. I looked it up. Um, the lead singer, Richard Butler, is 64 now. It was funny because there was times where he'd turn around and he's doing his dance moves and, you know, he's 64, you know, and he's got his, like, his hair's a little bit longer, you know, as these rockers do it, you know, not long, but just longer. It's not short, short hair. And it's kind of styled, you know, sort of like when he was in the eighties, you know, when he looked like then. And, um, but you know, age has hit him obviously. And I'm sure he probably does something to keep his face looking a little bit more youthful, but there's, there's something about older men. Sometimes they look a little bit like ladies. And he turned around and said, Joey said, he kind of looks like a lady sometimes. And she's just started laughing. She's like, yeah, kind of. Um, but it was cool. He does all of his like iconic dance moves. So it's, it's really neat because I think she gets that, you know, and obviously everybody in the crowd is my age, basically, or older, and we all remember his, he's kind of like Mick Jagger on stage, he's very, um, sort of, some of the moves look, look a little feminine, kind of, but they're his moves, and they're definitely iconic of his youth and when he was performing in the, in the um, 80s, and so he is, if you don't know the Psychedelic Furs, they're well known for their songs in some John Hughes movies, which are like, you know, Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy was in that. Um, Ducky, I can't remember his name. He was the guy from Two and a Half Men. And you guys are all telling me what it is. John, uh, it's John something and I can't think of it. But he was in that movie. And yeah, I loved Molly Ringwald growing up. Like I, and some people even told me I look like her. And I just remember just being completely floored by that because I thought she was just everything. I loved her. And she was in so many movies, you know, The Breakfast Club and uh, Sixteen Candles. Of course, these movies were all, oh, it gets me emotional. These these movies were, they're my, um, oh my God, why am I getting emotional? Because this concert got me emotional. Um, and I'm sharing it with my daughter. So it's super cool. But these movies were my youth, you know, they're like what I grew up with. And they're like, they're like, I, they're such a part of like this time of your life, right? they start this song. Okay, I've cued it up. Now, I will tell you, I've got to compose myself here. <laughs> I was getting upset. Not upset, but this is like how I felt at the concert. This, I would say that this song isn't even one of my favorite songs, um, Pretty in Pink, but, and I would say even if I heard it on the radio, I'm probably changed the station. It's not like one of my favorites, but that night when they played it, and there's a guy that plays the sax. The sax is actually a really integral part of their sound. And I don't know why I've never really noticed that listening. But this guy that plays the sax is a big part of their show. And he's right up front with the singer. And they kind of dance together at times. And he's a tiny guy. Like, he's he's interesting looking, honestly. He had leather pants on. And I, I'd say he wasn't... He's probably not any taller than maybe 5'3". He's, he's small, but anyways, he is very good at playing the saxophone. Not one of my favorite instruments, but again, I don't really remember back in the day that this was like a one, part of their sound, but it is, and it blends in obviously, because I, I normally don't like, like the sound of a saxophone in music. It's just, I don't know, it's not my thing. But anyways, this is the beginning to Pretty in Pink, and when they played this, I sort of lost my shit. 
so you can't really hear the sax. Around and she smiles and she says, This is it, that's the end of the joke. Pretty and mm. you know, I gotta say, I do not hear the sax. And I think that's I think that's a new thing that they've added to their live show. I don't hear it in there at all, but it is blaring at, during the concert, and it really added something to that song, honestly, live. And by the way, Richard Butler sings exactly the same as he did when he was 30, 35 years, or whatever it's been, has not changed his voice at all. It's really amazing. He sounds just like his recording. I mean, I don't know if they ha if he was lip syncing at all. I don't know if they do that at the Catalyst, but he sounded just like his recordings. And um, I recently heard a live of Tears for Fears, and Kurt Orzabal, the lead singer, and he's like 60-something also now, his voice sounds just like he did when he was singing oh god what's their song back from um uh everybody rules the world everybody wants to rule the world that song he sounds just like he did when he was 30 i mean he's definitely aged but the voice is still there so anyways that song played and i'm crying i'm crying through it i'm singing and now i'm like getting emotional thinking about it because it's like you're looking at this band that meant something to you in a way in your life that brought you back to that time. It's a special time, you know, when you're like a teenager and uh, life's changing for you and you're opening your eyes to the world. And um, I don't know, it's just this amazing feeling to have like this band in front of you and you just want to thank them. Like, thank you so much for coming here and... um and giving me this moment, you know, to like walk back into my past and like, and it was like really, I don't know, it was just, you know, it's a special time when you're like 15 and you're a girl and the 80s were special and I'm, I'm sharing it with my daughter and I don't know, like it really kind of messed me up. I mean, obviously I can't even talk about it without starting to cry, but it was like, I just wanted to thank him like and when they played when they ended like the the whole set I just yelled thank you like you know thank you for bringing my past right in front of my face again it's like you're looking at your past and you're feeling it and and they're giving it to you with like their energy and it's just it's so beautiful it's like music is so amazing like it is crazy how it just brings you back to this time in your life and it makes you realize how far you've come and and you know how how life really is so amazing you know and it's like all these things that you heard from people when you're older about uh, you know how life will go by so fast and you'll appreciate you know looking back on this time in your life and then you're there and you're doing it and you're like seeing these moments and you're sharing this with your daughter and reminiscing about your teenage years and I you know I don't I don't always think I loved my teenage years that much because I felt super awkward I never liked the way I looked I was really hard on myself you know no boys dated me um I didn't I had a lot of body dysmorphia 
issues and um all due to my like I have a pectus excavatum in my chest so my chest tilts in on one side I was uneven my boobs were uneven I've talked about that in a YouTube video and um I hated the fact that I never really had a real profile. I hated my chin, so I ended up having chin surgery to have more of a, like, a chin, and hated my curly hair, you know, so I'm always trying to straighten it, so it's all these things that I just did not like about myself, so my teenage years weren't, like, my happiest time, but these movies and this music made me so happy, so, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna move on because I don't know why I can't even talk about it without getting so choked up, but it really made me emotional. And it made Joey cry too because she saw me crying. So I'm singing along to Pretty in Pink, which is a really happy, upbeat song, and I'm crying to it because there's Richard Butler right in front of me singing my past, you know? So freaking awesome. So yeah, so that was great. We had a good time. Um, Okay, what else? Let's move on, and I'll talk about, um, so I can stop crying here, um, Owen. So, really interesting, um, Owen, I gotta get a tissue, or I'm gonna be sniffling the whole time. Hold on. <laughs> I knew that was gonna make me, no, I actually didn't know that that was gonna make me choke up, but it did. Okay, Owen was not feeling well. Um, yesterday and actually about two weeks ago he had been feeling dizzy and I was just like oh and come on I mean a lot of times we go to school in the morning and he's got a stomach ache it's a very typical um, early morning stomach ache that a lot of kids get and my son's really shy and I think he gets anxiety on the way to school and you know he doesn't always have time in the morning to go to the bathroom and so he'll be like doubled over and he won't go to the bathroom at school so it's like he either suffers through it all day or we go late and we run to his dad so he can use the restroom, which is closer. He's closer to the school. I'm eight miles from the school, but his dad's about a mile and a half away. So um, anyways, um, I kind of wondered if it was just in his head, but he said he was really dizzy and he got out of the car and he like kind of like put his arm on the, the door jam, you know, of the car and put his head on his arm and he's like bending over and he's like, I'm just so dizzy. And I'm like, well, are you dizzy? Like, cause I've, I've had vertigo. Are you dizzy where like, it looks like the world is like shifting, like do, 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 or are you dizzy? Like when you get up too fast and you feel like you're going to black out and he goes the second one and he goes, it's just like, you know, like, I feel like I'm going to pass out. Like things are getting, I think it's like the getting, you know, dim, like things are getting dark. And so I'm like, Oh my God, we'll just go to school. You know, I'm thinking this is just going to go away. And it did. So it lasted. He texted me and it was about four hours later. He's like, as long as I'm sitting down, I'm kind of okay. And then it just kind of lifted and went away. So that was like two weeks ago. And I did think COVID maybe because we get letters all the time saying that your child has been exposed to somebody at school who has tested positive for COVID. You know, it's somebody in a class or a teacher and um, Owen hasn't gotten it yet. Um, and he's not vaccinated. And so, and I'm not going to get into all the reasons why, but I'm not getting him vaccinated. So anyways, I am and Joey is and Ryan is, but he's not. And so anyway, I just thought, wow. And, and he's been tested a million times because he plays sports. So they test constantly, you know, they have, I mean, literally like two times a week or whatever. And it's just like, he's always negative. So yesterday he wasn't feeling good. And I came home, I had been on the, at the beach on my Tinder date and he's on the couch and he's looking like his face looks flushed and he says his head hurts so bad and he feels dizzy. I'm like, I'm thinking right away blood pressure because I mean, Owen's a big boy. He's like 6'4". He's over 200 pounds. And I'm like, 
shit, maybe he's got something going on with his blood pressure, like his heart or something. Like I know I'm, you know, concerned about that. So I tell my mom, I said, I think I'm going to take him to doctors on duty and see what's going on. Just have him like take his blood pressure and temperature and all that. I mean, we literally didn't even like, I didn't waste any time. I just told him like, let's just go. And I had just come back from the beach and I was actually kind of hungry. So I was, but I just said, let's just get in the car and go. So we go to doctors on duty, which is right down the street from us. And I don't know, they were closed. It was five something. It was a Saturday and they close at three. So our only other option is to go to the ER, the local um, emergency room here in Watsonville. And it's sometimes I've been lucky and it's, we've been in and out pretty quickly. Mm -mm, Not yesterday, nightmare. So we waited in the waiting room uh, for about an hour or a little bit more and And then um, they finally pulled us in and, you know, while we're in the waiting room and Owen's feeling really bad, like he probably needed to lay down. He's got a fever of 100.8. His head is killing him. He's never taking a pill for, um, he, he just hasn't, he has a fear of swallowing pills. So he's never taken Advil or ibuprofen. Even as a baby, I couldn't get him to take the liquid stuff. He'd spit it out. So like, he's really never had a pain reliever ever. So he, his head is throbbing. And there's this drunk lady in there who I'm sure they're, they probably know really well. And she's on crutches and she's screaming at the staff to um, call her a cab. And she's got a really bad attitude. She's just definitely more than likely um, inebriated. And they're telling her that they're, they're not going to call this one guy just kind of ignored her and said, he's not calling a cab. Like she's like, my hips are broken and I can't call. Do you see? I cannot call. And so she goes to put herself in her wheelchair. She lean. Okay. She has the, 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 um, what do you call it? Crutches underneath her armpits. She reaches forward with her hand to put it on the armrest of the wheelchair to somehow, I I didn't even see how she was going to be able to do this. We're all watching her in the, in the waiting room. There's like six of us in there and we're all watching this happen. She goes to like put all her weight into the wheelchair arm so she can swivel her body into the seat or something. The wheelchair's not locked. It starts rolling backwards and she does this horrific fall on the ground. Like it was bad. Her crutches kind of went flying. She spun around and hit the ground pretty hard. She hits the side of the chair. She starts wailing out. Oh, I knew it. I know. And I'm like, Oh my God, there's a guy sitting right across from her. He's like my age and he's not doing anything. I get up. Cause I'm thinking what, there's no staff helping her. I'm like, Oh my God. So like I walk over to her, put the crutches against the chair And then I'm like, I touch her shoulder because now she's kind of like laying on her back on the ground. And I just said, somebody will help you. I said, hold on a second. So like, I'm like, can somebody freaking come out here and help her? So they eventually had three nurses help her in her chair. And they said they, you know, they, they obviously knew her and they're like, yeah, we'll get you a taxi. Don't worry. And then once they got her in the wheelchair, she kind of like was real nice to everybody. Like, I mean, cause she got the help she wanted, but, uh, what a mess. Alcoholism just, it's just so sad to watch what it turns people into. So anyways, and then another lady shows up while we're in the waiting room and they bring her right in to the triage area, which we can all see. So they're weighing her and they, as they're weighing her, she starts making this noise and her boyfriend who's there with her is, she, I'd say she's like in her late thirties, same with him. She starts going uh, 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 like the, the dry heaving sound over and over and over. And she's standing up and he's like, can we get a bag? Can we get a bag? So I'm thinking she has the flu and uh, nope. And then you hear someone in the staff says something that she's, that she's drunk. 
And so I'm like, oh my God, another one. So this one was there the whole time we were there. We finally got put back in a room. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> Owen got a nasal swab way up in his brain. They didn't do the easy one. They did it really hard way up in the top. And uh, we got into the room and we were told, you know, that he had, that she wanted to know right away about his dizziness. And then she said, and I said, well, he has a fever too. And she goes, oh yeah, I know. She goes, did you know that when you came in today that he was COVID positive? And I'm like, no. And she goes, yeah, well, he's positive. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, kind of thought that. And I told him in the waiting room, I'm like, if you don't have COVID, I will be very surprised. I said, you, you have to have it. Like it's gotta be for sure. So he has COVID and um, he hasn't lost his sense of taste or smell or anything like that. All he has had is the dizziness and um, a headache and, and a fever, which obviously is kind of from uh, the headache is from the fever. So that was a whole big ordeal because they said that he'd have to take a pill before he left. And finally they got him. I couldn't believe it. They brought him all this liquid to drink and he looked at it like I am not drinking all that. It was like it would have been equal to like probably a half a cup of that purple syrup that little kids take. It was so much because of his size. And they said, well, if you don't take a pill, you're going to have to like drink this. And the nurse that we had was kind of a bitch. I mean, she was like, well, you're going to have to drink this now because I'm not going to go get a pill. Like I'm already contaminated because she had her like whatever her scrubs on the, and then she had the, uh, apron thing on or whatever that surgeons wear, you know, where you put your arms through the front and it's ties, ties in the back. She basically said like that is contaminated because she's been in here. So she's not going to go back out and get a pill for him. Now she brought this in for him and this is what he's going to have to take. And he's looking at me like he's about to start crying. Like he does not want to take this. He doesn't feel good. And we already told the other PA that even though he doesn't take pills and he hasn't ever taken one. She basically told him that he was going to have to. So we were prepared for him to take a pill. I'm like, you're just going to have to do it. And then this lady comes in with all the liquid because she got a different version of what was going to go down apparently. And then she was not wanting to give him a pill because she said she's not going to have him practice here. And almost like she was saying, we're not going to be liable for you choking on a pill. I mean, she was such a bitch. And so she kind of like when he wouldn't take the liquid, I guess they obviously cannot release him until they've done their part of what they need to do. So they can say, yes, we gave him this, we gave him that, and then we released him. So they're not going to release him until he takes some kind of like Motrin or Advil or no, what's the other one? Acetaminophen. So it's either Tylenol or Motrin. And I was sort of hoping they could just give him an injection. Like he would be okay with that totally getting a shot full of ibuprofen, but I don't think they do that. So she begrudgingly goes and gets the Motrin pill. So she gives him this pill and I'll get back to the drunk couple because they were, we had our room was a, basically the one wall. It's four walls, but the one wall facing into the ER is all glass. So you can see everything that's going on in the ER. And the drunk lady was on a gurney in the hallway and her boyfriend was basically having to like restrain her over and over and over because she was getting super belligerent and trying to get up and leave. And at this point she had a IV in and she was trying to pull it out and he's like having to call the staff over and over. It was awful. So Owen wanted to shut the like little drape in front of him so he didn't have to watch it. He's like, I just want to get out of here so bad. So when the pissed off nurse came back with the pill, um, it was the biggest Motrin I think I've ever seen. It's bigger than my HIV pill. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? So she gives him that and she's like, you're going to have to take this. And I said, Owen, just, you know, put it in. And you know, when you're afraid to swallow a pill, it's all psychological and you know that, but he's like, the difference is, is that it's a hard thing. It's not soft. It's not like pizza soft when you chew it up and it goes down. He goes, this is something that's really hard. And he goes, that's what freaks me out. So 
she hands him a cup full of ice water. Like, and he looks at the cup and he, he kind of like shakes his head. Like, are you kidding me? Cause in his mind, he's like thinking, well, now I'm afraid to swallow this pill, but there's also ice in this cup. So what if I swallow the ice? Like all of this is going through his head and she's just standing there with her hands on her hips, waiting for him to do it. And, um, so he kind of chokes at first and he, he got teary eyed and he was like, <laughs> you know, like I know he's embarrassed partly, you know, and he feels stupid that he can't do it, but he put the pill in his mouth and he, I could tell he had it right behind his bottom teeth. And I'm like, this is not a good sign. Like you have to have it on your tongue in the back and you've got to put your head back. So if I just said, Owen, put your head back and just swallow the water. But again, the water had ice in it. So like you put your head back with a cup full of ice water. Like, this is not a good method for the first time you're going to swallow a pill. It should have just been lukewarm, regular water in a big cup. And he choked a little bit and he said he didn't, he kind of like said something. Owen will never complain out loud. Like he didn't want to like let, let her know what was going on in his mind. But he told me after he said, I didn't know if I was choking on a piece of ice or if it was the pill, but he got it down. So thank God, because it was such a big thing for him to get past that because today he took three ibuprofen with no problem. They were smaller, they're the little, you know, like brownish ones and they are slippery or whatever. And he took three. I mean, it was like, he's, he's basically, you know, over this fear now, which is awesome. Cause he said, I can't believe it. He goes, I never thought that those pills would actually make you feel better. He goes, but they do. Cause he woke up with a fever. So anyways, we continued to watch the drunk, um, couple and him pleading with his girlfriend to not get up. We're here to help you. The staff had to tell her over and over. And it's like, they can't put her in handcuffs and make her stay. They even said to her, we can't make you stay here, but we're here to help you. And you need to stay. Like you could go home and fall down and hit your head. You know, you're she, and it's like, she was like a zombie. I mean, she could look right in our room at us, but she never made eye contact with either Owen or myself, even though she was looking over our way. And it's like, we didn't want to stare at her, but it's hard not to kind of like look over and see what's happening when there's this struggle that keeps happening. And it's just sort of craziness. You know, it's like, this is her life. Like who knows she could have little kids at home. And like, this is what her life is now. She's drinking so much that, and she wants to get out of there so she can have more. And she's dry heaving as she's walking. I mean, the, the whole thing is sickening to watch. And it made Owen really upset. It made him feel sick. Like he already felt sick. And then he's seen this. He's seen the side of humanity that no one wants to see. And he's like, oh my God, I can't even imagine working in a place like this and seeing this all the time. And he's like, I just want to get out of here. And everything takes another hour. I don't know why it takes so long to do the things that they need to do to get us out of there, but it took them. We were there for four hours. I'm in my shorts from the beach. It's dark out at this point. I'm cold because I got a sunburn. So I'm cold now starving. I haven't eaten in like six hours. Owen's hungry and he doesn't feel good. He's like feeling better. Like the headache was better. But anyways, we finally got released. It was like, thank God. Like literally when you get released, cause you feel like you're locked in there. You feel like you can't leave. And I have left one time with Ryan. I remember we were, it was just taking forever and she ended up being kind of okay. And it was like, they weren't coming back to the room and we'd been waiting for an hour. I said, let's just go. And I remember walking out and just being like, I don't even freaking care, whatever. 
who knows, we probably got a ding on our insurance for walking out, but they just were taking too long. So this, um, we did stay obviously because it's COVID and we needed to have all the instructions from them and the letter and all that. So we could give it to the school and all that. So Owen will be out of school this week. Unfortunately, there's all this stuff going on with football starting and there's a liftathon tonight. He can't go to that. And so that's a bit of a bummer, but, um, he's doing fine totally doing normal. He's kind of wearing a mask around us. We'll see Joey and I, God, sorry, trying to clear my nose here. Joey and I are both vaccinated. So, um, I'm not worried. I mean, if I get it, I get it, but I'm really not worried. Uh, Joey already feels like she has it, but it's just totally psychosomatic. She keeps doing that and, um, she keeps getting tested and she keeps, um, um, getting negative results. So she don't think she's going to have it. Okay. Moving on to my Tinder date. Um, I will say that, um, the person that I did the shrooms with that I've seen a few times, um, he had some kind of like family delay that happened. I don't know. There's like family around or something. And I don't know, there's something with the next girlfriend, which of course I can't ask for anything. Cause I knew what I was getting into with him. It's not, uh, we're not dating or anything. It's physical, but I sort of like him. There's chemistry for sure. And so, I'm a little sad. Um, I probably can't see him until after this next Friday. So it's a whole five, six days. Um, But he's quiet too, which bums me out because we'd talked every day for like six days and now it's just sort of quiet. But I did tell him that I was just sort of missing that connection. And he said he missed me too, which was like, oh, that's interesting. So whatever. I don't know why things are so quiet, but I think I'll know soon enough. So in the meantime, I'm trying to keep myself, uh, you know, open to meeting other people because, you know, I'm, again, not on here really truly to meet a boyfriend. It was just to have, you know, physical hookups or whatever when I wanted. And, and that's kind of what's been happening, which has been fun and kind of satisfying what I wanted. But this one guy got a hold of me, um, through Facebook dating and his pictures were like perfect. I'm like, oh my God, so hot, so hot. So I have this image in my head of who I'm talking to. He's like smooth skin. He's got a tattoo on his chest that goes over to his shoulder, you know, tan, he's 34, you know, beautiful blue eyes, really sexy lips. And I've got the picture in my head of this guy because the pictures are showing me that this guy is gorgeous. And I'm like, and he's, so anyways, we get to the texting, you know, we share each other's phone numbers and he's really witty and funny, but there were few little red flags out of nowhere. He sent me three pictures of himself, one with long hair, one with fairly short hair and one somewhere sort of in the middle and said, I'm just curious which one you like the most. And I was like, why'd you do like, why'd you do that? That's weird. So I'm thinking, okay, that's like, it's super narcissistic, but now I know it's actually immaturity and, uh, like insecurity is what it was, honestly, because, um, and I'll get into that more when I tell you about how the meeting was. So I took it as narcissism because I thought this guy is so good looking. He needs, he's fishing for compliments. I don't know why, cause he's obviously really good looking. And anyway, I was really excited to meet him. I was hoping it would kind of take my mind off this other person. And so we were going to go to the beach and but I, you know, I told him I'm only into fun and he misunderstood my, what I meant by fun. This guy, uh, I really thought he got it, but he didn't. And, um, 
And so I thought, well, I'll just, maybe he's still on the same page with what I'm looking for. Cause I would never be interested in dating somebody that lives an hour away from me. Like what? And 34 and with my life and kids and like, I'm not looking for that. Like that's insane. But he was so good looking in his pictures. I was willing to see what he was all about. And maybe, my God, if he's that hot and there's a super great connection, well, maybe I want to be seeing a guy every once in a while who's an hour away. Who knows, you know? So um, we have this plan to meet at noon. And yesterday was very warm in Santa Cruz. So I knew that um, parking would be kind of rough. And but um, anyways, I ended up getting a spot fairly close to the beach. It wasn't that bad. It was like literally, a I don't know, less than a 10 minute walk. It was pretty easy. We had planned on bringing food. He was bringing champagne and strawberries. I'm like, nice touch. You know, I've like got all these ideas in my head of how this date's going to turn out, how romantic it's going to be, how I'm probably just going to kiss him as soon as I see him because there's been all of this lead up, you know? And oh, by the way, hold on. That's my mantra. That's my new mantra. Okay. So I'm in my car waiting. I wasn't too nervous. We were texting each other back and forth. I feel fairly confident in these meetups. I don't know why. I don't really get that nervous. Um, maybe a little bit, but not anything too bad. Anyways, he said he's here and I, I see somebody in my rear view mirror. That's really hard to say. Rear view mirror. And I'm like, oh my God, I think that's him. I instantaneously knew right away. Uh-oh. This is not what I thought. Okay. So I don't know what it is. It's, it's just a feeling, uh, an attraction or something that you know that isn't, it's not there. And I, I, the first word that comes to mind is nerdy, goofy. I, somehow he managed to make himself look fucking amazing in these pictures. Walking up, he's not an ugly guy at all, but he's, there's something for sure like he's like, it's like I called the IT staff to come help me with something on my computer. Like that's literally who looked like was walking up. Like he's definitely 6'2", not as broad as I thought at all. He's much thinner than I had imagined. And he was nervous. Like I could see his lips quivering over his teeth while he was talking. I was like, oh my God. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just going to go do this because I want to go lay on the beach. So I'm just going to make the freaking most of it. There's nothing I can do. He hands me a sand dollar, which is a sweet gesture, but I've lived by the beach my whole life in some way or another. It's not like I haven't seen a sand dollar before, but he kind of warns me that if I turn it right side up, be careful because the sand might come out. Like I, I know I'm 51. I get it. Thank you. I'm going to leave that in my car. Um, so, I mean, it was a sweet gesture, but it was just kind of nerdy and whatever. It was just going right along with everything I was seeing right in front of me. I did give him a hug. Hello. There was no way in hell I was going to kiss him um, because he just wasn't my type. Like I knew right away, I felt like I was with somebody who was like a very young 34 year old also, like definitely don't feel like he's dated many girls. Um, and I felt like this was a complete bait and switch. I did feel just like that fish that goes by the, whatever it is that goes under the sand and buries itself that's him. And he got me. He like came out and grabbed me with his pictures. And I was like, God, I'm so stupid. So anyways, I 
get, I, as I'm getting my stuff out of the car, like I'm, I still have that. It was just yesterday. I'm like looking in my car, grabbing my stuff, thinking I want to run like, oh my God. And there's nothing I can do. He's right there. So we start walking down towards the beach and we both have sunglasses on. Funny thing is we never took our sunglasses off the entire time. I never saw his eyeballs the whole time. We start walking towards the, you know, the water and I just say, how about right here? So we lay our towels down and, you know, we're slowly taking our clothes off, which is awkward um, now because I know like I don't feel that there's going to be any chemistry with this guy. I know for sure. And I don't know where he's going with all of this, but I feel nothing. So in my mind, I'm kind of hanging out with like I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like my friend's kid or like a young guy that I work with that I would never be interested in that kind of thing. I don't know. It was, oh my God, so awkward. So, um, you know, we're doing the whole putting the sun tan lotion on. I did not offer to put it on him at all or anything. I, in fact, I was like, we put our food out. We both had small coolers and we had the food in there and stuff. And I was like, didn't even know when to eat or anything. I was just concerned with making sure the conversation kept going. So the conversation kept going because I kept it going. I asked questions about this and that. I noticed he's kind of always staring at the ocean. I noticed thinking back about it today that he never once smiled. I don't remember him smiling at all. And I remember asking him a question kind of like um, something that made him feel like he was sort of a stud. And I cannot remember what the question was, but he just stared at the ocean. He goes, no, no. Like, it's like, oh my God, like you're so cool. You know, it was sort of that sort of feeling like he's such a stud that he's like, no, I wouldn't do that or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but I just got this. Oh my God. So, oh, and by the way, his car, I asked him what kind of car he drove and he told me, I still can't remember the name of it. It's an odd name, but it's basically a, like a Dodge Dart. Is that what those are called? Those like racer cars that a lot of guys like around here. Um, and he mentioned that it was yellow. And I saw it when we walked back to the, our cars because he was parked about six cars behind mine. If I had ever known that he had that car, there never would have been a first date in a million years. No way. That says so much to me right there. I would never have gone on a date with a guy that drives a yellow car. Like, why would you choose that color? What? Do you wear like leather gloves too when you drive? Probably, honestly. So, and I had this whole thing in my head that because he lived in Half Moon Bay and he worked over in Foster City, that he probably worked for somebody big, like a Google or Instagram or something. I have this whole thing in my head that he came from another state because they brought him here because he's so good at whatever he does. I mean, not to like make fun of his career because it's actually a really good career, but he's an electrician. He's an apprentice, basically. And he's not working right now. He's unemployed a lot of guys on Tinder are unemployed, a lot of them. And a lot of them are like homeless. He does have his own place. I don't mean homeless, like they live on the streets, but homeless is they're in between places or they live in someone's closet or they live in their truck or that is homeless or they live in a tent. I've seen that. Or they live in a mountain house that has no electricity. I mean, my God, but it is also the type of person I'm looking at, which is the age of like in their early thirties or mid thirties. But yeah, guys don't have their shit together. So he'd had some kind of surgery. I don't know. He had some kind of 
something in his cervical spine and they went through his neck to get to it. And he said it was just work-related. And I kept kind of asking him like, well, what happened? Was there an accident? And he, he's like, no, it's just happens over time. Like, it's just like a, it's just work-related from time. And I'm like, what, how do, you have a compressed spinal something like fusion? I don't remember, but whatever. They went through his neck, the front, like where's throat is. So he has this scar going across his neck. And I noticed it right away. I said, Oh, you, you were injured. What happened? And then he tells me about the surgery and that's just the way that they go about it. And so he, um, yeah, he said, he's kind of like mad that there's this scar. Cause it's so obvious. And I was like, well, no, it's not like terrible or anything. It's just like, there's something there. Obviously it's just, you know, it's a good story, obviously. And how scary to go through your freaking throat or that front area to get to the back of your neck. But apparently it's the safest way to do it. And so, oh yeah. So I said, when you did the surgery, did you think like this, there was a possibility of coming out paralyzed or did they just tell you that it was like, you know, it was going to be fine. He said, no, no, there was that risk. He goes, yeah, of course I thought that. I was like, oh, okay. So there we go. There's that whole like, um, yeah, this is probably the scariest thing you've ever gone through and you're kind of acting all cool about it. Like it's no big deal. It's like, that's fucking terrifying, you know, to think that you might come out paralyzed, but he, he did the whole, like, I'm so cool. And I mean, it's not like I'm so cool. That's not, I'm not explaining it the right way, but he just acted like it was like, well, yeah, of course that was the way it was that it's that it's the, well, of course, like, of course that is, it's dangerous, of course, you know, and it's just like, okay, you're, you're not fun to talk to, but whatever. So I'm doing all of the talking and I'm asking all of the questions. I realize again, when I got in my car that he did not ask me one question about anything, nothing, nothing. I'm, I'm offering information about my life and myself. I never told him about uh, my advocacy or me having HIV because it didn't matter at all. And I didn't feel like getting into it. I told him about my shooting because I'm like, oh, that's an interesting story. I'll tell him that. Um, maybe he asked me one thing about that during the, sh during the story. Well, he might have, but I really feel like I did all the talking. He was nervous for sure. There was no flirtation. It was very much like almost a business outing at the beach. And he did open some champagne and he had strawberries. That was nice. I mean, he was, he brought these mugs from home that were not matching. It was just kind of like, like grandma came with a champagne. I don't know. It was weird. And he was really worried about the pop of the champagne, thinking that the police that were, I don't know, 200 feet away would somehow, you know, it's like the lifeguards and there, there is a somebody patrolling the beach, but he thought maybe that they would hear the pop. I'm like, you know, it's all in a bag, like there was barely a pop. It was very well hidden. I'm like, nobody's going to check the mugs. And uh, it was just part of his like youth to me still very, and, and his innocence, like very innocent, definitely not my type. <laughs> so I don't, I'm thinking the whole time, how do I get out of this? And I am enjoying the sun. The sun felt good, but I never took a break from talking because it just felt uncomfortable not to have some kind of conversation going. So it was four hours of chit chatting. And I did have messages from Owen that he wasn't feeling good. And I just thought I need to get back anyways, because he's, you know, he wasn't saying he needed me to come home, but he said, I feel dizzy again. I didn't realize he had a fever. And um, I just thought he was just going through this dizzy spell again. So anyways, it, it didn't feel urgent. But I said, you know, after four hours, you should probably get going, you know, and so I thought he has to know that this is not going to go anywhere. Clearly, there's been zero flirtation at all. Um, and like I said, his body looked 
decent, but it looked totally different in the pictures. Like he made himself look like he had these abs and, you know, in person, he had a little bit more flub there. So I think that the pictures weren't recent uh, and I don't care. Like his body was fine, but it was not exactly what he'd shown in the pictures and the pictures made him look really broad. Like he had this really beefy, broad body. And like in person, he was very thin. I, he just didn't have that, um, the same build that I was imagining. And that might just be, you know, he may have no idea that this is the way that I'm envisioning him. You know, he may not even realize that he's kind of putting out like pictures that don't really tell the whole story. And maybe he felt that way about me. Who knows how many people have met me and said, shit, I had this totally different image in my head. And then I met her and it was not what I thought. Like I could easily be doing the same thing back to guys. I have no idea. No one's ever told me that, but it's kind of not the thing you want to tell somebody because it's sort of like, it's clearly a negative thing. So we're walking back and the whole time we're walking back, I'm just thinking, don't say by accident. I hope we can do this again. Cause sometimes shit like that slips out and I'm like, Oh my God, please don't do that, Jennifer. So we're walking back, but I am thinking the whole time, how am I going to end this? Like this is, there's not going to be a kiss goodbye. Like I hate to tell you, not going to be a kiss. And that should be really obvious that this, it was a basically, um, a failure, <laughs> like chalk this up to a failure. And I even told him jokingly in the texting, what's our, our like escape plan like, cause we were having such a good rapport with texting and it was flirtatious. And I'm again, not going to do the flirtatious thing through texting anymore with anybody until I meet them in person, because then you're like regretting it the whole time you're there thinking, Oh my God, what did I say to him? Cause I definitely flirted with him and I wish I had not because he definitely wasn't my type. So he may still be thinking that girl that was flirting with him before he met him is still feeling the, that way. And I wasn't at all. So Anyways, oh God, I lost where I was with that. Um, mm, so, well, we get to my car and uh, yeah, there's not going to be any kind of like kiss, but I put this, I'm, I'm putting my stuff in my car and he's standing there waiting. I'm like, oh my God. And his car, he had to keep walking to it. So he just was obviously being polite. And so I turn around and I, well, thanks, you know, thanks for hanging out at the beach thanks for the champagne and strawberries. And I hope you drive safely home. Those are the things that came out of my mouth, gave him a hug. And I start walking around the back of my car, clearly not going to be doing anything affectionate. <laughs> this is the end of the date. So uh, have a good one. Bye. Uh, I'm thinking that is it. I will not say anything. 30 minutes later, I get a picture from him. He's taken a picture of the road home and he's showing me the fog on the way back to Half Moon Bay. And he said, just 30 minutes out of Santa Cruz and look at this. I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever, you know, that's fine. So I say, oh yeah, typical Half Moon Bay weather. And then he sends me, um, or no, he sends me another message about an hour later. And I was like, I just want to take a shower. I feel like I have this date all over my body and I just want to wash it off. I know that's terrible, but I just want to you know what I mean? Like, I just want to rinse it off me. I feel yucky because it's like, I'm not, I was not into him, but I definitely told him I was into him before I ever met him, which again is the 
biggest mistake, lesson learned. I've got to stop doing that. I'm not doing that anymore because you just never know who you're meeting. And so uh, I'm driving home and I get another message from him. And he tells me that he's burnt. Ha ha, laugh out loud, I'm burnt. I'm like, he laughed out loud more in his text messages than he ever did in person. Like he writes laugh out loud a lot in his text messaging. I'm like, you never laugh out loud ever. You didn't once. So I don't know why you're texting that all the time. So I'm burnt too, but I ignore him because... I'm getting Owen to the ER and I'm sitting there and I, I don't, I'm hungry. This is like, I'm cold. I'm in the waiting room. He's not feeling good. Owen's like, he's got tears going down his face because he feels so fucking shitty and he just wants to feel better. And he, he's like in agony kind of, you know, and he couldn't lay down. He's got his head in his hands. And this guy's telling me he has a sunburn. I'm like, I don't give a fucking shit. So I sent him a text and I said, look, um, I'm at the ER with my son. I think he has COVID. And he's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I hope he feels better. And then like 20 minutes later, he sends me two pictures of himself when he lived in Hawaii, showing me him with a really good tan. Like, I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, this is what I look like when I have a good tan. I'm like, okay, I don't like, dude, I'm at the ER with my kid. Like, I don't fucking care. So I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> he may have said something like, I hope he feels better again, but I could look at the message, but I don't even, honestly, I don't even want to open it up. I want to delete all of it. Um, yeah, he didn't get it. He will now get the message when there's no messages from me coming today. And he doesn't know, obviously, about this podcast because he doesn't know that I even have HIV and we're not connected on Instagram. We're only connected through Facebook dating. So I'm going to block him on there and I may just block him on my phone. He doesn't even know my last name. So I can freely talk about this date without worrying that I'll hurt his feelings. But it was, oh God, it's, this has happened before. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's a blind date. It is. There's no two ways about it. It's a freaking blind date. And I don't know, there should be a better way to get out of these things. But you know, I mean, I got a, I got a nice burn, tan burn, you know, at least I got that. I got the start of my summer tan. So like, at least that got done. And it's experience, right? It's lessons learned about not flirting with people before you meet them in person and how to handle uncomfortable situations and how to just deal with something, you know, the best way you can possible when you don't want to be in it and how to get out of situations and not say, I'll see you again soon, or we should do this again. Cause I didn't do that. I'm really proud of myself for not doing that. I think that made it, I thought it made it really clear, but clearly it didn't because he was still conversing with me after, but it's been very quiet today and I am relieved. So, um, with that, I need to go. It's, um, my gosh. Okay. It's one o'clock. I have an hour to curl my crazy frizzy hair right now. So I can go to San Jose and meet, um, Artem and go to my concert. So uh, I will be back at another time. I hope you guys are well. And I hope you've enjoyed my Tinder trials and my excruciating, uh, dating stories. I hope they're fun for you all. They're sometimes, hard to even relive, but I'm sure they're fun for other people to listen to. But my God, <laughs> it was the worst. Okay, guys, have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be notified for any of my upcoming podcasts, be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to help this girl out, then please rate, review, and share my show. Thanks, guys.